Thanks for tuning in to the Sojourn Church Podcast. We are a church committed to the gospel in the context of family, living on mission to the city of Portland and our world. For more information, visit our website, sojournpdx.org. All right, good morning. It is good to see those of you who are here. I understand we've gone through a lot of rainy days, and so it's uh, hard on a sunny day like this to want to be inside and come inside. I will give you a little caveat reminder. Our days are really long right now, so you have sunshine until about 9 o'clock, and it's only going to get longer in the summer. So if you're in town, my pastoral encouragement is to join us, gather with us, Um, As we've been looking at, it's not about you showing up to something, but it's about how you contribute to that church family that you are part of. I don't say that to guilt trip you or because I have to be here, but I say that sincerely because I believe in the local church and that God's given us the blessing of one another. Um, As Ben just read, we'll be looking at a very popular topic today, the topic of submission to authority. I'm just kidding. I know that's probably not a popular topic. But it's a very relevant topic, considering that we just had the primary votes this past week. Hopefully you voted. Um, Oregon's probably one of the easiest places to vote. Uh, We don't have to get into the controversy on mail-in ballots or not, but it does make it really convenient. You can sit down at your house, fill in a bunch of bubbles, and then drop it into uh, a collection box. Where I'm from, you have to wait in line for two or three hours sometimes to vote. But it is very relevant, and we look at this idea of how it is that we submit to authority. Uh, It's also probably a a strange topic. You would think, why would you preach on this? And as a reminder, if you're new or with us, we uh, preach verse by verse uh, through entire books of the Bible, which I think is great. I think it's the most relevant way to go through the Bible. And it forces you to go into topics that you may not normally actually go into, such as submission to authority. A pastor in Washington, D.C., a guy by the name of Mark Dever, he says, almost any government is better than no government. Sounds like a very counterintuitive statement when you look at different governments around the world, when you look at different leaders around the world. But almost any government is better than no government because whether you realize it or not, government is actually a gift from God. It's part of God's what we call common grace that he has given to mankind. And so the challenge for us as Christ followers is that if any government is better than no government, then how as subjects of a greater king, King Jesus, who deserves and demands our primary obedience and allegiance, are we to relate to the government that we are under? So it's kind of this tension that we are put into as we know that, man, we submit ultimately to Jesus and to his authority in our lives, his kingship, his lordship, but at the same time, we've been placed in a time and place under a government. And so as Christians, are we to be revolutionaries? Are we called to overthrow unjust governments and establish a theocracy? Are we to be patriots full of nationalistic fervor in promoting our government and political system as, as the answer to every society issue? Should we be conscientious objectors separating ourselves from worldly government, refusing to take part in what it is that they are asking us to take part in? Or maybe, maybe this one, it's probably the most common one in the room, and I'm probably the most guilty of this. Maybe you just bemoan the government that's around you, constantly complaining to others about how much taxes we have to pay and how incompetent our leaders are who've been put into office. It's probably the most common one I come across in conversation with others. How, as those following and practicing the way of Jesus, what, what Peter's called as sojourners, are we to relate and submit to the government that we are under? 
And so today, in 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to be looking at verses 13 through 17. And Peter explains, regardless of the type of government over us, we have a responsibility. And that responsibility is to submit to those in earthly authority. So let me pray for us again, and then we're going to look through this text for just a few minutes. God, we do thank you for another day that we can gather as your church, as your people. God, we pray for those who are at home. We know that there's a couple of families with sickness this morning who are uh, stuck at home and tuning in. God, we thank you that we still have that technology to be able to do that. God, we pray for those who are, are having to work this morning or for those who are out enjoying your creation. God, we pray for those in the room that, God, we would hear this message and have a clear understanding of what it means to be in submission to those in authority over our lives. And, God, that we would ultimately submit our lives and our wills to your authority. It's in your name, by your power, Jesus. Amen. So 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17. I'm going to read it in its entirety, and then we'll kind of break it down here. It says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. So even though we are ultimately citizens of a heavenly kingdom, of King Jesus... During our time sojourning on this earth, we are called to submit ourselves to those who are in authority over us. I don't know about you, but how many of you like submitting to people that are, that are over you? Maybe, maybe your, your boss or if you're in school, your teacher. We all have these people over us in our lives. If you're like me, that, it's not easy to submit. I kind of buck the system a little bit. I have that rebel nature inside of me. Now, others of you, are rule followers. And so you're like, yeah, that's easy. But for me, it's, it's not always easy. And so the first point that I want us to look at is the extent of our submission. What does it mean to submit? And so it says in verse 13, 14, be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and praise those who do good. And so the central section of this theme is found in the word Submit, as it phrases it in many English translations, or it says to be subject, but that it's conveying be submission. And it tells us that Christians are to submit to every civil authority in their lives. Romans 13, verse 1 and 4 says this Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. And so be subject here means be submissive to an authority. And this usually implies, it kind of goes further, not just submitting, but implies obedience to that authority. Now, before we get ahead of ourselves, there are occasions recorded in Scripture when God's people have disobeyed human governments and have been approved by God for doing so, and we'll look at those in just a few minutes. But Peter here, he doesn't see authority in our lives as ultimate. But he did believe that we were to submit and, when possible, obey human authority. Well, why is that? 
Christians obey governing authorities because it is the will of God to do so. You ever thought about that? That it is God's will, according to Scripture, according to this passage, that we obey those in authority over us. This is part of our responsibility as Christians, as part of our responsibility as citizens of where God has placed us. Whether the individual Christian agrees with the policies or not. Now, I know this is one of those, like, once again, this is kind of a political message, but not with an agenda. It wasn't a topic I chose, but as we look at this, like, this can step on our toes easily because we found ourselves in a, in a country and even in a, in a city where it's probably uncomfortable oftentimes when we look at some of the policies that have been, have been put in place, but we are called by God to submit to those. And so the principle to be drawn from these passages is to obey except when commanded to sin. It uses this phrase, it says, to every human institution. Well, what that does, it gives a broader application to more than just the government in our lives. It's this inclusive word. We like that word in our city, right? Inclusive. It's this inclusive word, every. And so it's, a, it's appropriate that we also apply this statement to other areas in our lives. Parents and children. What does that relationship look like? That your parents have this authority over you. What does it look like to submit to that authority? Church leaders and church members. Okay, we'll just keep going by that one. Authority structures and business. Educational institutions. Voluntary organizations. That we have these roles in our lives and societies. And that God has established such an order for those in authority and for human life that it pleases and honors him when we subject ourselves to them, when we submit to those authorities. And notice, there's no exceptions. Peter's command is comprehensive. It doesn't say obey and submit if they are good authority, if they're your political party, if they line up with how you view things. It doesn't matter if you voted for them and put them in office or not. It doesn't even say if you agree with them or not. But it says to submit to the authority in your lives. And so Christians, sojourners, were called to submit to the governing authorities and those who are authorized to speak on their behalf. Now verse, verse 14 tells us the purpose of civil government is briefly defined. It says to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. And so we find this Greek word for punishment has this connotation of the government taking out vengeance. In other words, they're making a wrongdoer pay the penalty for their wrong that they have done. That's why we have prisons. That's why we have jails. That's why we have this process of a court system. So the purpose of the government is to punish those who do evil. But it also tells us to praise those who do good. Now, that kind of sounds funny to us. I don't think we really experience that a whole lot. We've seen the bad side, right? Like maybe you've had to go to court for a speeding ticket. Or maybe, maybe you've done something beyond that and you've had to go to court. Maybe someone in here spent time in prison. You don't have to raise your hand. We don't need to know, at least not for our purposes this morning. But at this time, the, the Roman government would actually erect statues of individuals. They would grant privileges to individuals. They would commend the individuals and praise them for the good that they had done. That sounds pretty good. It'd be kind of nice if our government maybe would do that sometimes. But we live in a different time and place. And to prevent the abuses of God's purpose for us submitting, 
It is right for Christians to pray and to work for government to act in accordance with God's will. So if we're called to submit, it would make sense that we are involved. So this kind of builds on last week, remember being in the world but not of the world. We talk about those groups who totally isolate themselves away and kind of create their own government. That's not what this tells us. This tells us to be very involved, to pray that as much as possible that the government's will and, and law of the land would be in accordance with God's will. We know that it often won't be, but that we can pray for that. And if we're involved with that, we can actually help make that so it is closer to God's will. And so we see the extent of our submission. And in the preceding verses, 15 through 17, Peter gives us the reasons and principles for submitting to governing authorities. Go ahead and go to point number two, Elliot. Thank you. So point number two, the manner of submission. Let me reread verse 13, and I'm going to read verses 15 and 16. It says, Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution. For this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. So Peter instructs us. He calls us people who are free in Christ. We're free. In other words, we are to voluntarily submit, not because we have to, to avoid punishment, but because we choose to, because it is God's will. This is why we submit to those in authority, because it's the will of God that we do so. So what might this look like in our daily lives? Driving the speed limit. Okay, I knew that that was my manuscript this morning, and I'm coming up 33rd Avenue as I'm on my way here this morning, and I knew I was going to have to do a little extra work because Andrea had a mess, and I catch myself, I'm going like 32. That's not that fast, Okay. I grew up in Race City, USA. 32 is not that fast. And I look at the speed limit and it said 25. I'm going to mention this and I'm going to have to confess this in front of the people at Sojourn. It might look like paying our taxes and not trying to skip around them. We actually have someone who works for the IRS that's part of our church, so pay your taxes. Uh, We should be the best citizens in our community. We should be the model citizens in our community. And to further emphasize this, Peter reminds his readers that we are to live as people who are free. We don't do this because we have to. We choose to do this because it is the will of God. And we're reminded our ultimate authority is not in the government. We're not enslaved to them. We have no need to fear them. And we are not to use our freedom as a cover-up. We are to live as servants of God, freely choosing to follow and obey the governing authorities in our lives. And so our freedom is also not a freedom from responsibility to the government over us, whether we like them or not, because this verse instructs us to do good. God instructed the prophet Jeremiah in Jeremiah 29.7. You're probably familiar with this passage. He says, seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Did you catch that? Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. You may be wondering, how in the world did I find myself here? What am I doing here? Isn't there a more comfortable place to to be and to live and live this out? Seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. In our case, that is the city of Portland. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. As a soldier, we are free to seek the welfare of the city of Portland and the U.S. by being involved in government, by serving, by voting, by being the best citizens 
by being the, the model citizens. What that tells me, so we're in this city that, that's known to be one of the least religious, most atheistic city in our, in our country, right? Like nine times out of 10, or maybe 10 times out of 10, you can guess when you see a group that there's probably no Christians involved in this. But what this is telling us, what this tells me, is that it actually should be the opposite. As people are called here, that we should be the model citizens. And if you're the model citizens, you're going to be the ones that want to vote in office. You're going to want to be the ones that are on the neighborhood boards and the, and the city council and all these other things because we're the model citizens. And they, they even go, man, there's some weird stuff about this guy or this girl, but we want them in this place, in this office, because they're the model citizens. That's what this tells me. And sometimes we, we, I think we get our influence wrong. This thing's all screwed up this morning. We get our influence wrong on how it is, but this is what it tells me. Be good citizens. Seek the welfare of the city where God has sent you. Think about government in and of itself. It's not evil. It's God-ordained. Our freedom of participation may actually give us a level of influence that otherwise we wouldn't have. And this also does mean speaking out against unjust policies. So if we get in those places of authority, if we get in those places of making those decisions, think about our Supreme Court right now, well, then that gives you the opportunity to speak out against unjust policies. It's real easy to do it from our lazy boy recliners at our house screaming at the TV or getting on our thumbs and tweeting about it or putting it on Facebook or Snapchat. I don't even know how to use that, but whatever it is. But it's another actually live as really good citizens because you're submitting ultimately to God and his authority, but then also getting the privilege and opportunity to submit in your society. Think about the Old Testament. Israel was told that their exile would last for 70 years. And in that time, so they're told like, this is going to happen, but you're to live peaceably in Babylon. We too have found ourselves as exiles. And while my guess is that most of us hope to live past 70, let's just say the majority of us get about 90 years. Okay, so you can kind of do the math, how much more time that you have. Hopefully those are good, healthy years. But when I, I say that thing, our exile isn't much longer than Israel's. Theirs was 70, at best ours is 90, and we're called to live in a similar manner in our time here. It's not easy, I'm not implying that, but it's easier when we're reminded this isn't our forever home. Remember, we're sojourners. We're passing through. This is all but a miss, as James says. If we're here and then we're gone, we're just passing through. So make the most of the time. And so the manner of our submission means that we are to submit to authorities without exception. But sometimes there are exceptions to our level of obedience. So let me say that again, and hopefully I can differentiate this for us. Our manner of our submission means that we are submit to authorities without exception. But sometimes there are exceptions to our obedience or the level of obedience within that submission. Let me give you a few biblical examples. Always a good starting place. Exodus 1. Pharaoh issued an edict and told them, that, them, the Hebrew midwives, to murder male babies. But they did not do what the government asked them to do, and God rewarded them. Exodus 5. The government prohibited Israelites from going to worship their God, but they still worshiped. So let me ask you this. This weekend, if Kate Brown came out, and I wouldn't put it past her, and prohibited us from worshiping this morning, what would you do? Kate Brown said, no churches can meet. What would you do? Because what they did then is they worshiped and God protected them. But do we have that much faith in God? Do we have that much faith that God would protect us in the midst of something like that happening, taking place? Joshua 2. 
the prostitute Rahab and Israel had been in the wilderness for many years, and they went in as spies, and she hid them so they wouldn't be killed. Daniel 3, I know you're familiar with this one. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They refused to worship an idol, and then Nebuchadnezzar commanded everyone to worship. What happened? God delivered them. Acts 4 and 5. The government of the day was a Sanhedrin, similar to our Congress, and they told the apostles to cease talking about Jesus. You guys need to shut up. Stop talking about this Jesus guy. Stop spreading this message. The apostles respectively disobey in favor of obeying God. So this is where you have to differentiate between submission to, the, to the, the law of the land and the level of obedience to that law. Because we must obey God rather than men. Other examples. Corey Ten Boom and her family hid Jews and helped them escape from Nazi Holocaust during World War II. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He wrote his famous letter from a Birmingham jail from a jail cell where he had been arrested after participating in a nonviolent protest against racism and segregation. Author Juan Sanchez says this, As Christians, we are to obey all governing authorities, but as God's slaves, if there is ever a conflict between human authority and heavenly authority, we must choose to obey God over man. Very relevant example to us right now. It's all over the news. I'm not going to unpack this in great detail, but it's abortion. The government permits some people to choose to sin through abortion. But they're not obligating all people to sin. So if one day the government says, and this happens happened in other countries, but if our government came in and said, you can only have one kid. Once you get pregnant the segment, you got to have an abortion. You know, once, you, once you get pregnant this, we're, we're going we're to do this. Well, then we have a different case on our hands on, on how it is that we are to respond. And so, so far we've looked at the extent of our submission. We've looked at the manner of our submission, which leads me to our third point, the reason for our submission. It says, be subject for the Lord's sake for every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme, for this is the will of God. That by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. So Paul reminds us, the reason for our submission, the why, is for the Lord's sake. In other words, it is God's will. This is challenging. This means that when we rebel against any authority in our lives, whether it's government, parents, church leaders, our boss, that we're also rebelling against God who appointed them. Catch that? Anytime we rebel against authority in our lives, we're also rebelling against God who appointed them to be an authority over us. So once again, if you're like me, you have a rebel heart. So this may not sound like a very big deal. You know, I always say I'm a big grace guy, maybe sometimes <laughs> too much. And so you can kind of write this off, but Obeying authorities in your life is a way in which God displays, uh, you display a witness to the kingdom of God. You know, sometimes we talk about this idea of evangelism, right? And, I, and I've talked to some of you, enough of you to be like, oh, uh, I, don't, I don't like talking to people, especially not strangers, or I don't like talking in front of people. Like, do I, do I have to do that? Well, there's also this idea of, of in, you know, gospel proclamation in word and deed, kind of how you live your life. 
And that, that's part of this. That boss you can't stand, that boss who wants nothing to do with Jesus or Christianity or the church, but you're the best employee that he has, that you're the one that submits and listens, that's going to make a difference. Your boss is going to go, why in the world are you different? What makes you different? Then you get a chance, an opportunity to share. Maybe some of you, I don't know all of your, 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 your details and your family and your history, but those in authority, maybe parents in your life, maybe you don't follow the Lord. It doesn't matter if you're adult children or not. We're still called to submit to our parents. And so you submit, be the best child that they have, have that best relationship you have, gives you the opportunity to say, this is why. This is why I'm doing that. And so our submission to those in authority provide a faithful witness to King Jesus who's over us. Our obedience when we pay taxes, when we obey laws, when we honor those in authority, when we encourage righteousness and justice, it will help silence those who are tempted to slander us. Remember, I just kind of talked about that in the last several weeks. That because the slander will come. The accusations from the world will come. But when they come, if you're living in a way contrary to the accusations, it won't hold up and you can ultimately point to Jesus. And so if people criticize us, remember last week, it will happen. Let it be for the right reasons, for our love for Jesus, our love for one another, our love for the gospel message. Don't let it be for something different. Don't let it be for something contrary. Don't let it be for your own little hobby horse, your own platform. But let it be for our love for Jesus, our love for one another, and our love for the gospel message. You know, when I think about the city that we're in and because I'm standing up here, I can always visualize out that window and I see cars going by and I see heads walking by. And I'm very involved. We're very involved in this community. I think, man, if they come and they accuse us of different things, they don't like us. I'm okay with that as long as it's for the right reasons. But they can go, we, we don't like what they say. We don't agree with some of the stuff that, that's preached there. And we don't agree with these things in the Bible. But man, they're the nicest people. Man, they love our community. Man, they, they serve. Let us be for the right reasons that we're criticized. Let's bring it to our fourth and final point. The life of submission. How it is that we are to do this? It says, honor everyone, verse 17. Love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the emperor. This word honor really stuck out to me this week as I was kind of reflecting on it. And actually, I put this on uh, what I call Christian Twitter. Because <laughs> don't, don't go on it. It's, it's the worst, all this bickering and fighting amongst God's people. But uh, as I was reflecting I thought, we are called to live distinct lives as Christians, what we looked at last week. We are called to live a separate life from the world. And it's okay that we call out certain things. We call out sin. That we call our, even our fellow um, humankind to a higher standard. But we're called to do it with honor for everyone. And I think that's what's so disheartening sometimes. That's what's so concerning sometimes. Is I don't see the honor. I see the slander even of, of one another within, within the, the big C church. And we're calling out different things. And I was like, that's, there's a time and place to do that. I'm not saying we don't do that, but I'm saying we do it in such a way that we're honoring people because we are created in the image of God, are we not? There may be some things we very, very differ on. I've got some examples in my head that I don't think it's appropriate for me to share at this moment, but I, have to, I was fighting in myself this week. I said, am I showing honor to this person I'm sitting next to? I know there's some difference of lifestyle here. I know there's some difference of, of, of way that they're living their life, but am I doing it in such a way that I'm honoring this person and not slandering them? And so Peter concludes his instructions regarding governing authorities and those in authority over us with four imperatives in verse 17. 
He says, all people, everyone, okay? All people, even the people you can't stand, even the people you don't like, the person who lives on your street who doesn't cut their grass. Oh, that's my neighbor. Um, the person you sit next to in your cubicle at work. The person who maybe you had an argument this week. It says, all people, everyone, deserve the same honor and respect as the emperor. Only God is to be feared. And so believers should have a tender love for each other as members of the same family. So I'm going to break these down real briefly. The first is honor everyone. This is consistent with their good conduct among unbelievers. Christians, we should be courteous and kind and respectful to all people. All people. We are to treat every person with dignity and respect since all humans are created in God's image. I don't know about you, but that one really hit me this week. You know, we're in the city of Keep Portland Weird, so you literally see a little bit of everything. There's some great people watching in our city. But I found myself going, but am I still honoring and showing dignity and respect to that person? Even if it's apparent on the exterior that I really disagree with them about some areas of life. Am I showing them honor and dignity and respect? Because that person, that individual, is still created in the image of God. Second is love the brotherhood. This indicates a higher obligation to fellow Christians. In other words, you and I, brother and sister, not only are we to respect one another, but we are to show each other strong, deep love. So sojourners, I love you. Whether I've known you for a year, or six months, or 18 years, I love you. We're going to show love and respect to one another as part of our value of family, being family to one another. Third is we're to fear God. Yes, we still have a higher obligation. That's not about the here and now and only respect our authorities here. And so we're to, we are to honor and to love God above all. We're to fear him. We're to point others to him. And then finally he says, honor the emperor. Apparently a mild irony, Peter has the emperor on the same level as all people. And so almost any government is better than no government. But we await a heavenly government. One that's going to be better than all the earthly governments that have ever been and we've ever experienced. But until then, we are to submit to those in authority that God has placed in our lives over us for our good. For our good good. Here's the reality. We may not understand why a particular leader is in place. Once again, I'm pretty transparent, maybe sometimes too much, but I've had that boss where I think, how did that individual, put it nicely, get that position? I should be in that position. But you've had that person in your life. Maybe you have that right now. You have that, that government authority. And you go, how in the world Right? And there's all these memes, right? And they're fun to share, both with our Christian friends and our non-Christian friends. But I, sometimes I, this week I'm like, okay, but am I showing honor? Am I showing honor? We may not understand why they're in power. But we can rest assured that God knows. God is sovereign, big theological word. God is in control, and he wastes no suffering, as we've been looking at for several weeks, but he also wastes no governing authority. That ultimately it's all pointing back to God's purposes for his glory and our good. But he doesn't promise us we're going to understand it in the meantime. And so if you are a Christian, if you are a sojourner, you're ultimately a citizen of heaven. 
And that's to be a good reminder as well. This is my temporary citizenship. This is like my, my green card or my passport. I get to come and I get to visit. I get a stamp. I'm going to stay here for those 90 years. But ultimately, I'm a citizen of heaven. And here's the reality. If you are a Christ follower, if our citizenship is ultimately in heaven, we should become increasingly uncomfortable in this life. Okay? Did you catch that? I, I, I think sometimes, especially maybe older generations, I'll say that way, say it that way, it's, what are we going to do? <laughs> our government's going the opposite way. Our life's going the opposite way. Our society, and I get that, and I'm guilty of saying all those things, but I'm, I'm looking at this going, I think we're supposed to be becoming increasingly uncomfortable in this life, in this world, because this world is not our home. That's Peter's whole point in this letter, that we are sojourners. And so if we're entirely comfortable, and if we're trying to, I know we talk about making it in Portland as it is in heaven, meaning the way that we live out our lives, but if we're trying to make this heaven, then we've got something backwards. We're supposed to be increasingly uncomfortable in this place. I took a picture of the, the last song that we sang. I have to look at it. I have time to add to my notes. But um, the word said, let every knee come bow before the king of kings. Let every tongue confess that he is Lord. Lift up your shout. Let us join with all of heaven singing holy, holy. That is what our citizenship is about. It's ultimately about our heavenly father, our heavenly citizenship. And so then how then as sojourners are we to respond in light of this message? A few quick ways and then we'll pray and wrap up. First is submit to governing authorities. We're to acknowledge God's design for them. We're to thank God for all the good that he has done. Once again, this doesn't mean we agree with all their policies. We won't. But we thank God for when they do good. We recognize that. And we acknowledge God's design for them. Second, very tangible. We pray for those in leadership. Once again, that could be those, our boss, that could be our parents, but also our government. We pray for those in leadership. Whether we agreed or got them there or not, they are there. And so we are to pray for them. We're to be a good citizen. I would say the best citizens. We're to seek the welfare of the city where God has placed us. And here's, here's that reality. I remember in seminary, a, a pastor came and he was talking about how, like in God's providence, like you're in this place and this season of life. And we don't know how long that is. For some of us, it may be a few months. For some of us, maybe a few years that we're here in this place. But during that time, like, it's almost like, don't waste that season. Go deep. Serve God. Be the best citizen you can for however long that is. Engage the political process with truth and justice and the common good in mind. It's okay to speak out and say, I don't agree with this policy. Especially if it's something that we're voting on. If you're getting to a place of being in civil leadership, lead with biblical values. Bring your convictions into the public arena. This is part of the reason, maybe they'll kick me off if any of them hear this message, part of the reason I'm on the neighborhood board. I have very little authority, I'm one voice, but as we're making decisions as a community and a neighborhood, I'm like, okay, as far as I know, I'm the only Christian that's on this board. Hopefully I have some level of influence with it. Rest in the providence of God when we don't understand things. And finally, make your ultimate allegiance to King Jesus, who we are to spend our entire lives to and point others to him as well. So church, let me pray for us, and then Ben will come back up and finish the shot of worship this morning.
God, you are our Father in heaven. All of our allegiance is ultimately to you. And God, may we submit to that. But God, I think what we learned this morning is our submission to you and to your will means that we will submit to those who you've placed in authority in our lives. God, even when it's uncomfortable, even when we don't like them, even when we don't understand it. God, I do pray that you would help us discern between submission and obedience and the level of obedience. But that we'd also be reminded that in this life, we will become increasingly uncomfortable as people of you. Because this is not our ultimate home. But God, you have prepared a place. And that that is where we will be one day. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. We'd love to hear how God is working in your life. You can connect with us and find more available teachings and resources at our website, sojournpdx.org.